So much I want to share that I just want to jump right into uh, the word this morning. And yes, I've already prayed. I hope you have, uh, because I'm going to just jump right into the word this morning uh, because I'm prayed up and I'm raring to go. So let's do this. Let's get into uh, our teaching for today. And let me just preface this by saying that uh, the Lord began to really speak to me about this word on Monday. Uh, Pastor Sean and I had went down to central Arkansas to spend some time with some friends and family that uh, we hadn't had a chance to really spend time with since the pandemic started. We're all vaccinated. And according to the CDC guidelines, as long as we were outside, uh, we could hang out with each other uh, without masks and, and do everything like we used to do. And so we took advantage of that. Uh, we were supposed to uh, come back at a, probably a more reasonable hour, but we knew that <laughs> once he started hanging out with friends, it was going to be late. And so Pastor Sean told me when we were leaving, she said, look, I might go to sleep on you on the way back. And of course, that was fine. She didn't go to sleep. But on the ride back, she was doing some reading and some other things with her business. And as I was driving, it was late. And the Holy Spirit literally asked me a question. And anytime the Holy Spirit asked me a question, the way he asked I know that from, from history, my relationship with Holy Spirit, he's about to tell me something uh, th that honestly I may otherwise not want to hear. And, and so he said, can I talk to you? And of course I said, yes. And I'm just driving in silence in the car. And he just began to share with me about some things that were going to happen uh, the rest of 2021. And as he began to share those things, I began to say, well, what, what should I do? Uh, how, what you're telling me this, I know you're telling me for a reason. How do we prepare for this? And so he took me back uh, to the prophecy. He took me back to the prophecy that he gave us in November of 2020. And that particular prophecy has really been what has been anchoring uh, at least my household uh, and those who connect with Fellowship of Champions who receive that word. It's been connecting us through 2021. And there was a couple of things that, you know, you read something, you get so familiar with it. And I had read the prophecy so many times I had really kind of gotten familiar with it. And there were some pieces of it uh, that, that, that honestly I kind of let slip because um, I'm living in it and everything. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what Holy Spirit's telling me to do and, and things are going well. And so there are pieces of it that I had forgotten. He said, I need you to go back and revisit it. And of course, I was driving, so I couldn't do it right then. But as soon as I got home that night, I opened up my computer and went back and started reading back through that prophecy. And so this morning, I, I want to take a moment and we're going to read through it. Not the whole thing. There are just there are just pieces of it uh, that we've prepared that we're going to read. Uh, before we read that, though, I want us to to take a look at the scripture that he gave us. He gave us a scripture uh, that is going to kind of anchor us uh, for this particular uh, prophetic word that he gave us in November. Now, let me say this. As we begin this study this morning. The study we're going to be talking about is understanding kingdom prosperity through the eyes of God's covenant. The reason it's important for us to take a look at this is because the Lord said to me as I was driving back on Monday, he said, I need you to tell the people to prepare for what's coming. And I said, OK. And of course, like anybody else, I said, Lord, what's coming? He said, I need you to tell the people to prepare for what's coming. And I'm, I'm a student of the Lord enough to know that when he talks to me that way, that it's not necessarily his intention to tell me everything that's coming. But he needs me to be on a, a heightened alert for the things that are going to happen so that they don't shake me. And so that is what he said. He said, I need you to prepare the people for the things that are coming. 
And then it was interesting that on Tuesday morning, I was up uh, and I'm watching the news and I start hearing the news talk about uh, all of these particular instances that have happened, which seem to be not connected, but they actually are connected if you begin to pay attention. Things like the largest U.S. uh, based uh, meat manufacturer uh, was hacked uh, and stopped processing for several days. Um, we look at the, the pipeline, the, the U.S. pipeline, gas pipeline uh, in the southeast that was attacked and, and for, for whatever reason caused gas prices to go up. Uh, we begin to look at all of the things they're reporting on the news. There's a, there's a new term that they are using uh, in combination with the word inflation, which we are seeing happen right now. Uh, things are getting more expensive. Uh, but in, but in, in relation to that, not only are things getting more expensive, uh, there's a new word that they've termed called shrinkflation, shrinkflation. And what shrinkflation is, is this idea that uh, as things begin to open up, as people begin to buy things again, that in order for organizations to make their money back, what used to what you used to pay twelve dollars for uh, 12 rolls of paper towel, you're now paying twelve dollars for, but only for eight rolls of paper towel. And while that may not be significant to you, there are millions of people who every time something goes up, they have to make a decision about what they're not going to have in their life. Things like medication, things like food for their kids, things like new clothes. It's like replacing something on their car. All kinds of things have an impact on this. And the word of the Lord said things are going to get worse before they get better. Uh, This is true if you think about the fact that gas prices are going up, food prices are going up, the cost of Medicaid, uh, I mean, medication and insurance is going up. And here really quickly, we're going to find out that a lot of the COVID-19 restrictions that they had on counseling uh, people's ability to be evicted and their utilities being cut off is going to go away. And so there's all of this stuff happening. If you don't pay attention to it, uh, it can just seem like it snuck up on you. But the Bible told us when we were doing our study on Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit would tell us things that are going to happen in the future that are going to prepare us for the seasons to come. And so that's I wanted to say all that to preface why we're talking about what we're talking about today, because a lot of times when people start talking about prosperity, um, it's been so mistaught in the body of Christ that people only think you're talking about money. And I'm not just talking about money. As I said, our ministry is about teaching you how to walk in love, live by faith so you can experience God's prosperity in every area of life. And so that is what I want to talk about this morning. And so before we do that, one of the scriptures we have to go to is in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We're going to be anchoring ourselves with this. The Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. A lot of times people read this scripture and they think it means that I'm supposed to hear just by reading the Bible. But no, it says faith cometh. How does faith come? It comes by hearing and by hearing what? The word of God. So when God is speaking to me on the road back from central Arkansas to northwest Arkansas and he says, hey, can I ask you a question? And I say yes. And he says, I need you to prepare my people for what is coming. That is a word. He's given us this word about what's to come because he wants to build up our faith so that when whatever comes, comes, it doesn't shake us. 
The other thing that we have to be, we want to be aware of is in John chapter 17, verse 17. Why? Because in the King James Version, he says, sanctify them through thy truth. Okay. What is truth? He says, thy word is truth. So if the Lord says, I need you to prepare for what's coming, then we are guaranteed to know something is coming. And it's coming, whatever's coming is important enough for God to think about us to give us a forewarning to be prepared for it. I like what it says in the New Living Translation, because in the New Living Translation, he says, make them holy by your truth. In other words, he says, teach them your word, because if you teach them your word, your word is always what? Truth. He says, teach them your word. So what we're what we're going to be looking at today is the truth of God's word. It is the truth of God's word. And so the word that the Lord gave us in November of 2020 began with 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And we know that the Apostle Paul was was writing this to the Corinthian church. And here's what he says to them. And it's really what the Lord said to us in November. And it's what he wants us to refocus on again during this time. He says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, he says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, with all we have going for us, be ye steadfast, unmovable, secure and firmly planted. He says, live your lives with an unshakable confidence, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, let me say this. In order to live your life with unshakable confidence, you have to be living in truth. What is truth? It is his word. We just read that in John 17 and 17. He says, thy word is truth. He says, so live your lives with an unshakable confidence, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And then he says, in the next verse, we know that we prosper, watch this, and excel when? In every season. How? By serving the Lord. So whatever is coming, we don't have to trip about it. We just he only wants us to know it's coming because he wants to remind us that no matter what this next season is, no matter what inflation looks like, no matter how bad shrinkflation gets, no matter how bad gas prices go up, no matter how much food and beef and vegetables and all of these milk and eggs and cheese, no matter how much all of that stuff begins to cost. He says, know this and remember this, that you prosper and excel in every season. Go ahead and write that in the comment section this morning. Say, I prosper and I excel in every season. I prosper and I excel in every season. How do I do that? He was very clear. It was not based on my intellect. It's not based on my education. It's not based on my network. It's not based on my social class. It's not based on my race or my gender. It is based on me serving the Lord. Because when we serve the Lord, it says we are sure that our union with the Lord makes our labor. In other words, whatever we're putting our hands to, whatever we're involved in, it makes our labor productive and not a waste of time or effort, not a waste of time or effort. And that is so important for us to understand. So whatever we're doing in serving the Lord 
no matter what season comes our way, and there's a different season coming. I'm telling you that as a man of God, I'm telling you what I heard God say. There's a different season coming. But he's saying to us, remember now, what I told you in November was that you're going to prosper in every season because you're serving me. And you can be assured that the union that you and I have, it's going to make your labor productive and not just productive, but it won't be a waste of time and it won't be a waste of your effort. So whatever this season is, is coming. We can go ahead and rejoice and give God praise because we know we're going to prosper in it. We're going to prosper in this next season, no matter how. It doesn't matter. I know that it's, it's so natural for us to say, oh, my God, look at these gas prices. Oh, my gosh, look at the cost of beef. Oh, my gosh, you used to pay uh, $24.95 for this thing and you used to get 50 of them. And now you're paying $24.95 and you don't get but 22 of them. This is crazy. I know it's, it's easy to get into that. But what I'm telling you is God says, go back and remember what I told you in November of 2020. You are going to prosper in every season. I know you've already typed it, but you ought to say it out of your mouth. I prosper in every season. Glory to God. Camp Strict prospers in every season. Glory to God. Fellowship of Champions prospers in every season. Amen. Everybody connected to FOC and to Camp Strict, we prosper and excel. Yes, Leslie, we prosper and excel in every season. Now, why can I say that? Because God told us this before 2020 ever began. Here is the prophecy that he shared with us. And these are excerpts from it. He says, hold on to the words which I have given you. He says, the words that you have used to guide you through this year, stand firm and be prepared to receive all that I will reveal to you in the days and the months of head. Now, this is what he said in November. Here we are, what, seven months later? And now the things that I believe he was preparing us for in November, we're getting ready to see over the course of the next six to seven months in this year. He then says, for I, the Lord, your God, have been with you, praise God. And it is I that have brought you to where you are today. See, the economy just didn't start getting bad. It's been bad, but we've been living so good we hadn't been focused on it. But now the enemy wants to amp it up a level because he wants to cause the saints distress. But we already know we prosper and we excel in every season. He then says this. He says, so now as you prepare yourself for the year ahead, this is what he was telling us in November. He says, which I have already prepared for you. He said, I need you to settle into what I am doing. Listen, I need you this morning to make the decision before you ever see what I'm talking about, before you ever may be able to say, oh yeah, that's what Holy Spirit meant. I need you to decide right now, you're gonna settle into this idea that you prosper and excel in every season because you serve the Lord and because you are in union with him. And as a result, your labor is never in vain or a waste of time. I need you to settle that. He says, you settle into what I am doing. He says, give me all of your burdens, give me all of your trouble and give me all of your fears. Notice he was telling us this in November. He's again reiterating, saying, go back and revisit what I said. Give me all your burdens, give me all your troubles and give me all your fears. He said, I will take hold of it all 
and it will all be just fine. He says, let's make an exchange. You give me your troubles. You give me your fears. You give me everything that's plaguing you. He says, and I'll give you something else for it. And what I give you for it will make everything just fine. He says, know this, there is nothing that you're going through, I love this, or will experience that's a problem for me. Somebody ought to give God some praise. Somebody ought to just give God some praise because in November, he was talking to us about June, July, August, September, October, November, and December of 2021. He says, nothing that you're going through and nothing that you will experience is a problem for me. In other words, I can handle this. Whatever, all your troubles, all your fears, all your pain, whatever you're going through, just make an exchange with me. He then says, in the days and months ahead, remember he's saying this in November, he says, in the days and months ahead, he says, I need you to know that no matter what you see with your natural eyes, glory to God. I don't care what they report on CNN. I don't care what they say on Fox News. I don't care what they say on, NB on, on NBC. I don't care what all the financial media experts are saying. No matter what you see with your natural eyes and no matter how bad things may appear, he said, notice somebody, come on, heaven already saw it coming. Heaven already saw it coming and heaven didn't just see it coming, but heaven says, I am your solution. How is God going to be my solution in this time of great turmoil? Because I am going to understand kingdom prosperity through the eyes of his covenant, through the eyes of his covenant. He says, so don't worry and don't fear. Know that with surety, I have already seen you through. I have already seen you through. He says, so be exceedingly grateful for where you are now. Somebody give God some praise for where you are now. Whatever you're experiencing right now, you say, man, I, I, I made it this far through the pandemic. It's been over a year and several months and, and, and God has kept me. Maybe everything hadn't been exactly the way I wanted, but praise God, I'm here this morning. I'm clothed in my right mind. I got the activity of my limbs and I can give God praise. He says, so be exceedingly grateful for where you are now. He says, I haven't forgotten the anointing, the graces and the gifts that I've placed in you. He says, and I am bringing them out of you. He then goes on to say, your alignment and your agreement with me and my word was designed for the seasons you are about to face. Now watch this, your alignment, go back to that real quick, your alignment and agreement with me and my word was designed for the seasons that you are about to face. That's the reason he kept saying to us all that time ago, that alignment and agreement equals advancement. He says, I need you to get an alignment. I need you to get an agreement. He says, because when you do that, they are designed that you can prosper in every season. And there are some seasons coming that you know not of, but heaven has already seen it coming and I am already your solution. All right. He then goes on to say this. He says, so in these days, when, those, when these times come that were unexpected, he says, don't fear what you hear and do not be moved by the narratives that will fill your ears, but do not align with my words. He says, if you're hearing stuff that does, I'm telling you, you're going to be prosperous and you're hearing stuff telling you that you're about to have to cut back and things are going to be the roughest of times ever. 
He's saying, do not allow your ears to be moved by those narratives. He then goes on to say, I'm going to speak to you. And he's doing it this morning. He says, I'm going to speak to you and I'm going to show you new things. He says, and you're going to see things and understand things in ways you haven't before. I believe with all of my heart that what he was talking about in November is what I'm about to share this morning. How you can understand kingdom prosperity through the eyes of God's covenant. He says, I'm going, he says, for what I have already done, it won't be very long before you see it with your natural eyes. For if you will spend this time with me and stand firm in faith, there will be wonders to behold. He says, so put aside your struggles, put aside your worries, put aside your concerns, for I am your God according to covenant. Watch this. In November, this was the peace I had no revelation of the way I have now, because we're always growing and becoming. And sometimes God will give you a word and, and, and you get focused on other pieces of it. But then when it's time, he will illuminate something off of the page. So on Monday night, when I got back home, I'm reading through the prophecy. And this is the part that grabs me. Like literally, if you ever if you ever had to get somebody's attention and you grab them by their shirt and you shake them and you look in their eye, it startles them and it makes them pay attention. This is literally what the word of God did to me. He said, put aside your struggles, put aside your worries and put aside your concerns. And in my mind, I'm like, I have no struggles, worries or concerns right now. He said, I'm talking about in the season that's to come. When that season shows up, I want you to remember this word that I said to you to put aside your struggles, to put aside your worries and to put aside your concerns. Why? Because I am your God according, watch this, to covenant. If you don't get anything out of what I've said so far, understand when God says he is your God according to covenant, it is vitally important. Why is that vitally important? We'll finish this in just a second. It's vitally important because God has established his covenant. And when God has established his covenant, it becomes a contract to which he has bound himself to. God has bound himself to covenant. And when God bounds himself to covenant, he has an inability not to keep his side of it. So there is kingdom prosperity, but it is only achieved through the covenant of God. And if you don't understand the covenant of God, you don't understand how to connect to the covenant. I give you a prime example. I was going back through looking at our lease on the facility that we have right now in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And I was going back through and I was looking at the lease and there are some things in the lease that I had forgotten about. There are some things that were written in our favor in the lease. There are some things that says, hey, if this if this breaks, if, if this messes up, if if this happens, we read in the contract that it is not our responsibility, but the landlord's responsibility to take care of it. It's even written that if he doesn't take care of it in a certain time, it becomes a financial penalty for him. But if I don't understand the covenant and something breaks and I don't know to call him and tell him to fix it, I can end up spending money getting it fixed. And even though it gets fixed, it wasn't the best thing because it cost me money because I didn't understand what was in the covenant, what was in the contract. So let's go back and finish that. He says, I am your God, according to covenant. He says, and I say these things so that you will know that I will not have you to be without. 
what I have promised for you. He says, this is why you need to know that I've bound myself to a covenant. And because I've bound myself to the covenant, no matter what I want to do, I can't violate it because to violate the covenant, I would have to cease from being God to do it. He says, so no, if it can be found in the covenant, praise God. He says, if it can be found in the covenant, then you know that I will not be able to break my promise that I have for you. He then goes on to say, so because of that, rejoice. He says, shout unto me and give me praise and receive by faith all the things that you have dreamed of. So everything you've been thinking about 2021, I don't care what the news report says is going to happen the next seven months. I need you to dig your claws into this prophecy. I need you to hang in there and I need you to believe everything that God said. He says, I can promise you this because I am your God according to covenant. If I wanted to back out of it, I can't. Unless I decide to cease being God, the things I have promised you shall come to pass if you keep your part of the covenant, because I guarantee you I'll keep mine. In fact, the Bible says when he got ready to make the covenant, he looked up in the sky and he looked at the stars. He said, well, that's not good enough to swear by. He looked up and saw the moon and all the intergalactic planetary systems and said, that's not good enough to swear by. He looked in the earth and he looked at man and man was wondrous and had been made in his image. But he said, I can't even swear by man. He says, oh, I know exactly what I do. I know what I'll swear by. He said, I'll swear by myself. He said, I swear to God. God, that as long as I got this covenant with you, I'll not break my side of it. And everything I ever promise you, it shall come to pass. Somebody ought to give God some praise this morning. Glory to God. He is our God through covenant. Woo, glory to God. He's our God through covenant. When, when I almost couldn't, it was about three o'clock before I went to sleep Monday night because I just kept thinking, wow, this is the piece I missed. He was saying all of these things to get me to the place to remind me that I have a covenant relationship with him and that a covenant relationship is designed for one party to keep their side so that the other party keeps their side so that both parties are better off. So let's jump into this word then. <laughs> Praise God. We're talking about understanding kingdom prosperity through the eyes of God's covenant. God has established his covenant in the earth with mankind. Everything he does is determined by his covenant, a.k.a. through a contract with mankind. Jesus of Nazareth was born into this world. He died on a cross. He went to hell. He paid the ultimate sin price and was raised from the dead, all because of a covenant God had made with man. God does not show partiality by choosing certain people to save or certain people to heal. His blessings are made for all people who meet the condition according to the covenant. If you meet the condition according to the covenant, there is no partiality. We say at Fellowship of Champions all the time, if God did it for one, he'll do it for another. Because Acts 10.35 tells us that God is no respecter of persons.
Hear me. God has established his covenant. He established his covenant for salvation. He's established his covenant for healing. He's established his covenant uh, for prosperity. He's covered. He's established his covenant for deliverance. And there are and these provisions of the covenant are set out in God's word. So if you want to know what his covenant says about salvation, you go to his word. You want to know what they say about deliverance? You go to his word. You want to know what it says about prosperity? You go to his word. You want to know what it says about healing? You go to his word. His covenant defines what he is responsible for. Amen. Now, listen to this. God's word is his covenant. His covenant then is truth. Remember John 17, 17? He says, Lord, teach them thy word or teach them thy truth because thy word is truth. So then God's covenant with us is his word. If God gives his word, then he has given us his truth. We say it like this. We say word is bond. When someone says word is bond, that means if I just said something to you, what I said is 100% truth. It's like, say, if I put that on my mama, or I put that on my dead homie or whatever they say, they're trying to emphasize how important it is. God's word is his bond. God's word is his bond. And when you consider a person's word, you think about that person's integrity. If I say to you, if I say to my wife, babe, I promise at 12 o'clock, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. She is not believing that I'm going to do it just because my name is Edwin. She is basing that off the integrity of my past behavior. If you look at God's past behavior, you know that his word is bond. Will he do what he says? Is his word good? Is his name good? These are all the things we think about when someone gives us their word. Well, when God gives you his word, you can think about those same things. Will he do what he says? He always does. Is his word good? It always has been. Is his name good? Under no other name shall men be saved. His word is good. So whatever God has said in his covenant, it can become truth for us if we will receive the things we know about his integrity. A person's name is judged as good or bad by whether or not he keeps his word. Your name doesn't make your word good. Your word makes your name good. I'm going to say that again. Your name does your, your word makes your name good. Your name doesn't make your word good. It is your actions. How, how, what do we know about your integrity? And herein lies the power in the name of Jesus. We did a whole teaching about this power in the name of Jesus. We did a whole teaching about the power of Holy Spirit. We did a whole teaching about being led by the Holy Spirit. And God orchestrated all of those teachings to get us right to where we are today. Because here is the power in the name of Jesus. His name is good because his word is good. Somebody type that. Say his name is good because his word is good. The name of Jesus can be trusted because the word in which he is established on is good. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word is good and therefore it can be trusted. God has magnified his word 
even above his own name. According to Psalms 138 and 2, it says that God has magnified. He has magnified his own name. He's magnified his own name even above his own word. Listen, I want to tell you this morning that you and I are in position to receive the greatest impartation of what God has for us through understanding what his covenant says about salvation, about deliverance, about healing, and about prosperity. And this morning, for the next few minutes, we're going to share just a little bit about what that means. We'll spend the next couple of weeks. Pastor Sean's going to come back with me in the next couple of weeks, and we're going to jump in this together. And, and I'm telling you, there, there is revelation to be had because when you begin to understand what how God works in terms of his contract, in terms of his covenant with his people, when you understand your responsibility, you never have to worry about his because the only way that he could not keep his part of the contract, he would have to cease from being God. Amen. So I declare this morning, before we get started, I declare that every financial mountain, every financial stronghold that is in your life, I declare in the name of Jesus through your understanding of the covenant, it must dry up and die. It must burn. It must become ashes and it must be removed now in Jesus name. And everybody who believes that just grabbed it by faith, just held on to it by faith saying it is done in Jesus name. Why? Because I prosper and I excel in every single season. All right, let's get into this. Let's look at, let's take a look at first Timothy, first Timothy chapter six, verse 17 through verse 18. He says, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high minded, nor trust in what? Uncertain riches. There are some riches you can trust in. He said, but there are some uncertain riches. He says, but in the living God, he says, trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So we understand by reading this scripture, he says, charge them that are rich in this world. He says, in other words, people who got who, who got a lot of wealth, he says, and are high-minded. In other words, they think their wealth means something. He says, charge them not to trust in those things. He says, charge them not to trust in uncertain riches. Because if they begin to trust in those uncertain riches, they won't trust in what is really rich, which is the living God. They that do good, they that be rich in good works, ready to distribute and willing to communicate. He says, those are the ones who become rich. Now notice, understand because we're talking about God's covenant. He's establishing his covenant here. He's telling them to trust in the living God. He says, who are those who trust in the living God? Those who give richly, he says, and that they do good, that they be rich in good works ready to distribute and willing to communicate. Why is this important? Because if you don't understand the purpose of prosperity, it will elude you. I'm going to slow down and say that again. If you do not understand the purpose of prosperity, according to God's covenant, it will elude you. You will spend your whole life chasing it and it will spend its whole time running from you. 
In reverse, if you understand God's covenant and you do the things the covenant requires you to do, the Bible says that prosperity will chase you down. He says, what does it look like to live the prosperous life? That you are rich in good works, that you are ready to distribute, and you are willing to communicate. What that means is that we are blessed primarily to be a blessing. We are blessed primarily to be a channel of blessings to our world and for the promotion of God's kingdom. If you want to understand kingdom prosperity, you have to see it through the eyes of being a person who is wanting to bless others. Prosperity chases you down because you are willing to be a sower because you are willing to be a giver, not just of your financial resources, but of everything God has entrusted you with. If you want to understand kingdom prosperity through the eyes of the covenant, you have to look at what he established in his covenant. And in his covenant, he talks about being a blessing so that you can be a blessing. If you are thinking of kingdom prosperity, just so that you can reap and heap wealth upon yourself, you're going to always struggle with it because it's not in alignment. It's not in agreement with God's covenant. Wealth in the kingdom is essentially an entrustment. It's not about attainment. It's not about an endowment. It's not about an entitlement. Wealth in the kingdom is essentially an entrustment. What does that mean? It means that basically you get rich because God uses you as a conduit to be a blessing to his others. You understand that? It's an entrustment. It's God says, oh, that's a person I can trust with this wealth. Let me deposit it there because they are willing to be a good steward. How do I know they're a good steward? Because I can see that they're rich in good works. I can see that they are ready to distribute. I can see that they're willing to communicate on my behalf. I can see that they are blessed, empowered to prosper so that they can be a blessing, empowered to be the one in, uh, in, in, uh, prospering other people, empowering other people to prosper. God's blessing is only accessible to the people he can trust. The question this morning is, you want kingdom prosperity, but can God trust you? How do I know God can trust you based on the actions that you have demonstrated to him where your financial resources are concerned, where your time is concerned, where your heart is concerned, where your mind is concerned? Can God trust you? And not just can God trust you when you're around the saints. Can God trust you on your job? Can God trust you when you are around other people who say, oh, it don't take all of that? Can God trust you to be the resource center so when the person you can't stand needs something and they come to you and God says, give it, can he trust you enough to push past your flesh and your emotion and still be a distribution center? Because if you understand kingdom prosperity through the eyes of the covenant, you understand that God owns everything. I own nothing, but it makes me a steward over a whole lot. God owns everything. I own nothing, but God makes me a steward over a whole lot. Pastor Sean used to explain it like this. She used to always say, if you take a water hose and you, you screw the water hose into the faucet and you turn the water on, 
eventually water is going to come out of that water hose. But when water comes out of that water hose, even though it comes out in the flood, the entire water hose is wet. God wants you to be the water hose. He wants you to be the one that is taking that water hose and dispersing the water every place he says to disperse it. You don't have to worry about how much water is going out because God's going to keep you wet by, 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 by being the virtue of the water hose. You're going to be a distribution center. In fact, somebody say that. Say, I am God's distribution center. I am God's distribution center. This means that kingdom wealth is entrusted to us as stewards so that it can be applied appropriately to advance God's agenda. Again, when we talk about prosperity, we got to keep this in the right perspective. Prosperity is about promoting God's agenda. Someone asked me a couple of weeks ago because I was saying we're getting ready to do our annual fundraiser for the scholarship fund. And they said, why do you spend so much time promoting the scholarship fund? Because it's God's agenda. And because it's God's agenda, it is the single most um, given to, besides our tithes and offering, uh, line item that we have in our church. Last year, we raised $50,000 plus over the course of the year. $50,000 plus to do what? To give every dime of it away. The scholarship fund doesn't fund anything else but the scholarship fund. In fact, we have people who say, you know what? I'm going to cover the fees for what people give so that every dollar you actually raise goes to the scholarship fund. Why does that happen? Because it is about God's agenda. And when you get serious about God's agenda, there is no shortage of resources in this world he won't flood you with. I know this kind of goes counterintuitive to a lot of ways people teach prosperity, but I'm telling you, if you're going to understand kingdom prosperity through the eyes of God's covenant, you got to see his covenant. And his covenant is all about his agenda. It's not about ours. It's about his agenda to bless everybody and everything on the earth. Amen, Elaine. I am too. I am God's distribution center. I am $50,000 raised in the pandemic. Why? Because it was God's agenda. And when something is God's agenda, he will put it on the hearts of people who don't even know you. Listen, we have five business partners, five business partners, three of which who have never met Pastor Sean and I and have never sat in Fellowship of Champions service in, in, in real time. They may have seen it online. But listen, they've never been here. They've never seen us. And they give they, they have a, they have set it up so that they give varying amounts every single month to the scholarship fund. Why do they do that? Because it's about God's agenda. It's about God's agenda. Let's take a look at Matthew 25 and 35. Matthew 25 and 35. It says, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. Verse 36 says, I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. This is what Jesus was saying. And then all the righteous ones replied to him saying, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry? When did we ever feed you? When did we ever see you thirsty and give you something to drink? 
He says, when did we ever see you as a stranger? And when did we show you hospitality? Or how do we see you naked and we gave you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or even in prison and visit you? And Jesus says in verse 40, he says, and I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you was doing it to me. That is, that's kingdom. That's covenant. He says, anytime you gave to the scholarship fund, anytime you gave to FOC and it went to the benevolence fund, anytime you gave your tithe and your offering, anytime the Lord put on your heart to sow and you sowed into my life or Pastor Sean's life or Pastor Chris or Pastor Ram or Minister Chandra, or you said, the Lord just told me to be a blessing to you. And we took those resources and we used it to be a blessing to someone else. We got a woman out of her home from being domestically abused. We pay for people to have food. We pay for people to have medicine. We pay for people not to be evicted. We pay for people to be able to, to, to go back to school. We pay for all of these things. You say, well, when did I ever do that? Every time you gave. FOC didn't do it. You did it. And FOC was the conduit for how it got done. Jesus says, this is how my covenant works. So again, when you are not interested in being a blessing, heaven is not interested in blessing you. Ooh-wee. I know some people don't like that, but when you are not interested in being a blessing, heaven is not interested in blessing you. Not because heaven is mad, not because heaven is jealous, but because heaven has to operate off of an established covenant from the king. The king has made a decree. And in order for prosperity to find you, kingdom prosperity, don't get me wrong, you can go out here in the world and you can make some moves and you can shake and you can move and you can do some things. If you got some semblance of intelligence, if you know how to hustle and grind just a little bit, you can make something happen. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being a kingdom prosperity person. If you're going to be kingdom prosperity, what is kingdom prosperity? Kingdom prosperity can't be touched during times of, faith, of, of great financial turmoil. See, see, people who make their wealth in the world, when, when, when the economy goes down and things happen, th th their, their resources deplete. But in the kingdom, God says you're going to be blessed in every season. In the kingdom, God says, you're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. In the kingdom, he says, you'll be like a tree that is green all season long and never loses her fruit. He says, in the kingdom, things work differently. In fact, I was reading this story the other day as I was preparing for this read. I was reading the story about J.D. Rockefeller. Many of you know the name Rockefeller. Uh, he was the first American billionaire. And he became a true blessing to humanity, but it did, that didn't happen until after we found out that he was actually struck with cancer. He went to the doctor and the oncologist told him uh, that literally he only had a short time to live and that he probably wouldn't see his 52nd birthday. As a result, he started giving away over 50% of all of his wealth. And you know the story of John D. Rockefeller. There are libraries, museums, buildings, all kinds of stuff that are named after him because he was the first billionaire and he started giving half of all of his resources away. Now, watch what happens. He goes on to live to be 93 years old. The doctor says, look, you're not going to make it to your 52nd birthday. He starts to operate according to God's covenant, even if he didn't know it. Glory to God. See, you, you, God 
God's covenant is so strong, when you get alignment with it, it starts to work for you, even if you don't have a full understanding of it. So he comes into alignment with God's covenant about being a blessing to others. And he goes on and he lives all another 41 years. In another instance, we see in scripture how this didn't actually happen. No, we find the story of the rich young fool. The rich young fool in Luke 12, 16 through 20 says to himself, he says, then he told them a story. He said a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. You can you can make this man equivalent to the John D. Rockefeller of biblical times. It says he said to himself, what should I do? He says, man, I don't have room for all of my crops. I got so much. I don't know what to do. Then he said to himself, I know. I'm going to tear down the barns that I have. I'm going to build much bigger ones. He says, and then what I'll do, I'll have enough room to store up all of my wheat and all of my other goods. He says, and I will sit back and I will say to myself, my friend, that's what he calling himself. You have stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Sit back and relax. Look what you have created. He said, eat, drink, and be merry. But verse 20 said, God said to him, you fool. Now notice this. He says, you fool. He says, you will die this very night. Then who's going to get everything that you work for? Notice what God is saying to him. He says, you could have been a blessing to so many people. I allowed you to be a fertile farmer. I allowed you to have so many crops they wouldn't fit in your arm barn. But rather than having a kingdom covenant mindset that says, let me take some of what I got and be a blessing to other people, you decide you're going to build a bigger barn to yourself. You're going to create a, a, your own God and look back and say, look what you have done and not even give credit to the kingdom which helped you to do it. He said, you fool, tonight you going to die. He says, and when you're gone, who's going to get all your stuff? He says, you know what the reality of it is? It won't even matter. The people who you didn't sow to is probably going to be the ones who get it. I'm trying to get you to understand that there's a way to view prosperity. And it's not about you grinding. It's not about you going out there and getting. It is about you agreeing with God's covenant to become a kingdom giver, not just of your finances. Hear me when I say that. I don't want anybody watching this saying, Pastor Edwin's trying to get us to give. I'm trying to get you to give your heart. I'm trying to get you to give your life. I'm trying to get you to give every essence of your being to the kingdom First, because when you do that, he prospers you in every single area. Let's look at Luke 12, 21. In Luke 12, 21, it warns us. It says, so he that layeth up treasure for himself and, now this is important because I want you to hear me. God does not have a problem with you having savings accounts. Somebody was saying the other day that they never saved money because they just said God was going to take care of them. God never said that's what you were supposed to do. He never said not to have a savings account. He never said not to have a money market account. He never said not to have stocks and bonds. He never said that. What he said was they that lay up treasure for themselves and, and, I'm screaming, and is not rich toward God. He says, you can't lay up stuff for yourself 
and not be rich toward God. He said, the problem is when you start to put your trust in all of that stuff. You can have literally millions of bank accounts with millions of dollars in every one. He says, I don't have a problem with that. My problem is when you lay up that treasure for yourself, when you are unwilling to use that treasure to connect you to the covenant where you can be a blessing to other people and then you don't become rich toward God. How am I rich toward God? By activating and participating with his covenant. Wait, Pastor Edward, you mean to tell me if God tells me to give somebody $20 and I do it, I become rich toward God? Yes, you are rich. You can have a million dollars and disobey God and be poor toward God. You can have $20 and God says, give all 20 of it to somebody else and you can become rich toward God. Now, let me say this. Let me parenthetically insert this. You can't go out of your own will and try to will yourself into being rich toward God. It doesn't work that way either. It only works by you hearing and obeying what God says. Verse, so, so Luke 12, 21, he says, so in the New Living Translation, he says it like this. He says, yes, a person is a fool. Remember what he called the rich young, the, the, the rich farmer? He called him a fool. He says, yes, a person is a fool fool to do what? To store up earthly wealth, but not have glory to God. What? A rich relationship with God. He says, you are a fool to go out here and to hustle and grind and build your business and do all of these things. He says, you're a fool to even be a person who obeys God to get the money, but then don't do what God says with the money. He says, you are a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. He did not say that you are a fool to store richly wealth. He says, you are a fool to store richly wealth and not have a relationship with God. In the same way, the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money or the wrong relationship with money is the root of all evil, because if you have the wrong relationship with it, it will cause you to disobey God when God's trying to connect you to his covenant. But praise God, we understand from scripture that running after wealth makes a fool of such individuals. Go ahead and put this in the comment section. Say, I do not chase wealth. I do not chase wealth. Someone says, oh, but I want to be wealthy. That ain't the same thing. Say, I do not chase after wealth. I was not designed to chase after wealth. I was designed to come into agreement with wealth. Because when I come into agreement with God's covenant, all of the things in the covenant now become part of what is mine. So let's look at Proverbs 23 and 4. Proverbs 23 and 4 says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. Do not wear yourself out trying to get rich. It says, but be wise enough to know when to quit. For in the blink of an eye, wealth can disappear. For it will sprout wings, watch this, and fly away from you like an eagle. He says, don't wear yourself out here trying to get rich. He says, if you want to do something, spend your time connecting to the covenant. He says, how long are you going to keep chasing the next job? How long are you going to keep chasing the next promotion? How long are you going to keep chasing after the things that you hope will cause you to reach what can only be reached when you come into agreement with the covenant? 
He says, you can get all of that stuff and in the blink of an eye, your wealth, all that stuff you spent your time building will disappear from you. It will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. But kingdom prosperity has longevity. Kingdom prosperity has staying power. Kingdom prosperity won't flee you. Why? Because God commands it to stay through his covenant. Now, here's what you need to know. Here are three reasons why God blesses his people. And this may be where we stop today, because I think I want to teach some of this when Pastor Sean comes, because I, I, I like her perspective on some of this. Here are three reasons why God blesses his people. You need to understand this, because if you don't, You'll be mad and offended with God because you'll be like, well, God isn't blessing me. You might be right. He might not be blessing you. But the question is, where do you fit in these categories? Because God has no obligation to violate his contract just because he loves you. Let me say that again, because I believe a whole lot of people in the kingdom uh, need to hear this. Uh, a, a lot of people talk about living in their truths and, and, and just being them. Listen, God still loves you, but God has no responsibility, zero responsibility to violate his own contract and covenant just because you want to live free. So here are the three reasons why God blesses his people. Number one, God blesses his people to establish his covenant. To establish, if you think it's about you, you're wrong. God doesn't bless you for you. Well, wait, he loves me. He does, but that, but that ain't one of the reasons that he blesses you. It, that's why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus so that you could come out of your sin, so that you could connect to the covenant so that the blessing he put in the covenant could now be on you. So number one, to establish his covenant. God is not a seed consumer, but a seed multiplier. Let me say that again. God is not a seed consumer, but he is a seed multiplier. God is not looking to take your resources so that he can consume them. He's not looking to take your time, your talents, your wisdom, or your finances just so he can consume them. If God is asking you for that seed, whatever seed that is, it's because he has a desire to multiply it back into your life. This is because his covenant is to multiply all seed sown that's connected with his covenant. Let me say it again. This is because God's covenant is designed to multiply all seed sown that is connected with his covenant. Pastor Edwin, how can you say that? Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 18. We're gonna say this scripture a lot over the next two to three weeks. He says, remember the Lord your God. He is the one, he, God, is the one who gives you power to be successful. In order to fulfill the covenant, he confirmed, to your ancestors with an oath. Why does God allow me to be prosperous? Because he made an oath with my ancestors. He made an oath with Abraham. He made an oath through all of that lineage that he would allow me to be prosperous. But what is the purpose of him allowing me to be prosperous so that I can have power to be successful or power to get riches or power to get wealth? Why? In order to fulfill the covenant. 
He says, this is why, number one, I allow you to connect to the covenant and to become wealthy because I need to establish my covenant in the earth. What is God's covenant? Simple and plain, that all the men of the earth would be blessed. That, that's what God wants. He said in his word, he said, I would that none would perish. He said, so I know it's going to take resources in order to get my word out. I know that you're going to have to be in the church competing against Hollywood. So when you make movies, I don't need yours to look like $10,000 movies and they look like 10 million. I need you to be wealth in my kingdom. So when you produce movies, they have the same effect that Hollywood does, but it's to draw people to me, not away from me. I don't need the world. I don't need my people running to the world to get scholarships in order to go to college. I can pay for my kids to go to college. I just need all my people to connect with the covenant so they can be prosperous, so they can write checks for people to go to college debt free. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9 and 10, he says, as the scripture says, he says, they shall freely and give generously to the poor. For their good deeds will be remembered forever. Verse 10 says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then also provides bread for him to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Can we go back and look at that just one more time? Let's just go back. He says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Somebody say that's me. I know you got those little beans you can put in with the little hand up. You ought to flood the comment section with them little hands. That's me. In fact, hold on, let me do it because that's me. Uh, let me get my phone. That is me. That is me. That is me. That is me. Yeah, uh-huh. Where my little hand go? Here it is. That, that's me. If that's you, you ought to be finding it. You ought to be putting your little hand up. You ought to be saying, that is me. That's me. I share freely and I give generously to the poor. He says their good deeds, watch this, is going to be remembered forever. So if they're going to remember forever, it can't be by the person I'm doing the deed for. It can't be the person that I gave the $20 for. They'll forget me in a year. But my good deeds will be remembered forever. Why? Because they get recorded in heaven in the covenant. It says, for God is the one, watch this, God is the one who provides seed. He gives the farmer the thing he even needs for a harvest. He says, not only does he give him the seed to plant, but he'll give him bread to eat while the seed is germinating. <laughs> Glory to God. God will give you money to give and money to live on. Oh, we, yes, sir. Yes, sir. God will give you money to be a blessing to the scholarship fund. He'll give you money to be a blessing to children's church. He'll be a blessing. He'll give you money to be a blessing to your nieces and nephews and give you money to live on. Look at the next verse. He says in the same way, just like he'll do what I just said, he will provide and increase your resources. He says, so the more you give, he will provide an increase for you to have more to give. He says, and then while he's doing that, not only will he be causing you to have more in your hand because you're giving more, while he's doing that, simultaneously, he's going to produce a great harvest 
of generosity in you. In other words, what generosity produces on the inside of you is not going to flow out of you. So you're going to keep giving more, but God's going to keep giving you more. And you're going to have more to give, so you're going to give more. And God says, uh-uh, you can't beat me giving. He's going to give you more. And that's why we say you can't beat God's giving no matter how hard you try. Why? Because in the same way, glory to God, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Somebody ought to give God some praise. Three reasons why he blesses his people. Number one, to establish his covenant. Number two, to promote his kingdom. I told you it's all about God's agenda. We have no reputation. I don't have no reputation. God tell me to do something, I do it. You laugh at me, so what? I did what God said. It don't work out the way I thought it was going to work out, so what? If I did what God said, I'm pleased with it. Number two, he wants to promote his kingdom. The primary reason God wants us to prosper is for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants to get the word. He wants to get the gospel. We call the gospel the too good to be true good news. He wants the too good to be true good news to get out to everybody. He wants the gospel spread everywhere, thus putting God and the interest of the kingdom first in our financial stewardship is what gets us into the realm of financial fortune. Can I, can I say that again? Putting God and the interest of the kingdom first in our financial stewardship is what gets us into the realm of financial possibility. Here's how good God is. God is so, yeah, just leave that up there for a second. God is so good that he literally gives us oxygen to breathe. He gives us oxygen to breathe so that we can go about doing the activities that he's called us for. So that when we do the activities that we've been called to do, we reap a financial harvest in this world for doing it. He then says, you can keep 90% of that financial harvest. I just need you to give me the 10 because that belongs to me. He then gives us the ability to choose to even do it. He doesn't just take it. And then when we activate the tithe by giving it to him, he then takes the 90% and he says, okay, now there are going to be times I need you to be a steward over that 90% and do some things I'm asking you to do. It's called sowing. So I'm going to need you to sow here, here, and here when I tell you to do it. But don't worry. Every time you sow it, I'm going to give you back more than what you sowed. He says, and then when you give back more than what you sowed, he says, I'm going to keep blessing you more than what you're giving. And because you see that I'm giving you more, you're going to keep giving, but I'm going to keep giving you back more. He says, so that is the reason that you, before you know it, you have given yourself into financial fortune. When you follow this, it's how you give yourself into financial fortune. Listen, my wife has demonstrated this with her business. And I have to be perfectly honest with you because y'all know me. I'm just transparent. I tell you who I am. I am growing and becoming. 
But when she first started her business, she used to give away these spots in her business. She was like, well, because the people can't afford it. Well, because they really need it. Well, I feel like the Lord told me. And I was kind of like, you have that good, that, that the good angel on this side and that bad angel. on this. I was like the bad one going, don't be giving away that stuff for free. You're giving away your intellectual property. You're going to give people stuff for free and then they just going to get that stuff and, and, and they ain't going to do nothing with it or they're going to get it and, and, and they ain't going to say thank you. And she used to say, I have to obey God. Listen, she has literally given her way into financial fortune. Why? Because every year her business does more and more and more and more. And watch this. She's having to give away less programs because the people she blessed who couldn't afford it have put the things into practice and listened to God. Now they're the ones going back sowing into other people's lives. Putting God in the interest of the kingdom First in our financial stewardship is what gets us into the realm of financial fortune. I want you to write this in the comment section, even if you don't believe it right now. I need you to write it there so at least your mind and your eyes will see it. Type this. Say, I can give my way into financial fortune. I can give my way into financial fortune. Now, let me say this. You don't give your way into financial fortune just by giving. You give your way into financial fortune by obeying God when he tells you what, when, and where to give. You don't just make a decision, I'm going to give $5,000 so I can be rich. No, no, no. That's not how it works. You hear God. You obey God. You receive by faith what you're believing for, and you act like you already got it so the manifestation takes place. So number two, he wants to promote his kingdom. Matthew 6, tells it. It says, seek the kingdom of God first above all else and live righteously. You got to seek the kingdom. You got to seek his covenant and, and, and you have to live righteously. And when you do that, he will give you everything you need. That's just Bible. I just choose to believe the Bible. You have to make sure that you are doing the things that God wants you to do. Let's go to number three. Let's go to number three. The third reason God blesses you. We said number one is because he wants to establish his covenant. Number two, he wants to promote his kingdom. Number three, he wants to bless humanity. Watch this through you. You have been selected and chosen to be God's ambassador and representative in the earth. One of the favorite things that happened in this pandemic is when we have helped people who have traditionally had nothing good to say or think about the church. Mm -hmm. You said, wait a minute, you help people who, who didn't have nothing good to say or think about the church? Yes, absolutely. It, it, it's been the most profound thing that we've done because when we help them, they come back and they go, you know what? I got to rethink what I thought about church people. I never in my life thought it would be people in the church who would help me. I asked my I asked my own family. I asked my friends. They wouldn't help me. I, I've, I've asked family members. They wouldn't help me. I've asked, I've asked other churches and they said no. And y'all don't even know me. And, and I've called y'all and talked to y'all. Y'all heard my story and y'all helped me. And, and now I'm living better than I ever lived. Can, can I help somebody else? That's what God wants to have happen. He wants to bless humanity through you. God wants to bless humanity through all of us. 
He wants us to he wants us to clothe the naked. He wants us to feed the hungry. He wants us to provide shelter to the homeless. I never get mad when people say things like, well, when a church gets all this money, uh, why ain't they helping nobody? That's my question, too. That's my question, too. And I can't speak for all other churches. And a lot of times churches are doing a lot. It's just that we don't go out and promote to everybody, everybody we're helping. But that's why we decided in this season, we're going to tell everything we're doing. We ain't telling who we're doing it for, but we're going to let people know, yes, we pay people's rent. Yes, we pay car notes. Yes, we got food. Yes, we pay insurance. Yes, we got medicine. Yes, we pay for, for, for kids' clothes. We did all of that. Why? Because that's what God wants us to do. Now, if those people want to tell it, they can tell it. But we are telling you what happens here at Fellowship of Champions because God wants us to do those things. He wants us to put people through school. He wants us to be a blessing. Why? Because I want you to know that when we say, hey, this is good ground, that's what we mean. We don't mean Edwin and Sean is good ground. We don't mean Chris is good ground. We don't mean Ralph and Chandra are good ground. We don't mean this, this organization is good ground. It all is, but we mean the kingdom is good ground. And we are connected to the kingdom through the covenant. God wants us to be a blessing to our world. That is why he wants to bless us. Look at Genesis chapter 12 and 3. And we're going to stop here. Genesis 12 and 3. I think my time's about up. Genesis 12 and 3. It says, I will bless those who bless you. He says, and curse those who treat you with contempt. He says, all of the families on the earth will be blessed through who? You. Well, you and I are part of the same lineage that he was speaking to. He says, look, I'm going to bless those who bless you, but I'm going to cause a curse on those who treat you with contempt. He says, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed, but how are they going to be blessed? Not because I'm raining food down out of heaven. He says, they're going to be blessed through you. He says, all of them are going to be blessed through you. Look at Let's look at Genesis 22, 17 through 18. In Genesis 22, 17 through 18, he says, I will certainly bless you. I love when he says certainly. It's not like God can lie, but he's, he put a plus on there when he says certainly. I will certainly bless you. He says, I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore. He says, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. Verse 18 says, and through your descendants, he's talking about us. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. Why? All because you have obeyed me. We, when we obey God, we are living out the covenant that he established with Abraham. And when God established that covenant with Abraham, he bound himself to it. He bound himself to it. In short, God will never bless any man beyond his commitment to be a blessing. Because in the end, it will wreck him. Let me say that again as I close with this. In short, God will never bless any man. God won't bless anybody beyond that person's commitment to be a blessing. Why? Because in the end, what he's hoping for will wreck him. And God's not in the business of allowing you to be wrecked. God is not in the business of allowing you to be wrecked. And so because God is not in the business of allowing you to be wrecked, he won't allow prosperity to come your way. He won't allow it. Now you can now now, now you can leave it and, and try to go get it. But again, remember, that wealth you obtain that way, it'll sprout wings and leave from you. 
I read a, a Facebook post that Pastor Sean posted the other day, and it was so good. It basically said something to this degree. And if, if I if I say it wrong, you have to forgive me. But but here's here's the premise of what it said. It said the problem with going outside of God's will to get the things you desire is that you have to stay outside of God's will to keep the things you desire. And that is a mic drop. You leave the covenant. You leave God trying to get these things. And when you get them, you try to come back into the covenant. Those things weren't obtained legally through the covenant. So they have to be evicted outside the covenant. It's why a lot of people, when they first come to God, they says, man, I'm living worse than I was when I was on the street. Yeah, because when you was on the street, you was getting stuff the street way. But you can't bring that street mess into the kingdom. So you have to shed that street mess and get in the kingdom and let the kingdom supply you with those things. And when the kingdom supplies you with those things, there is no uh, there, there is no ill that comes with it. There is no sorrow that comes with it. And so this has been my introduction. <laughs> Praise God. This has been my introduction. Pastor Sean and I are going to come back in the next couple of weeks and we're going to really delve into understanding kingdom prosperity through the eyes of the covenant. Because we didn't even, we didn't even scratch the surface of talking about what the covenant does for us. I just wanted you to see the three reasons why prosperity comes. So if you've been struggling with why you haven't been prospering, you got to ask yourself, have I been really seeking prosperity because I want to establish God's uh, covenant? Have I, have I really honestly been seeking prosperity because I want to be a blessing uh, to humanity? Have I really, really been uh, seeking prosperity because I want to promote his kingdom? If I haven't been doing those three things, then no wonder prosperity as I have defined it isn't coming to me. If you're in the kingdom, these three things are so important to you. Stop chasing after wealth. Start living in your covenant and watch wealth chase you down. Amen. Listen, I hope it's been a blessing to you. I don't preach myself sweaty up in here. Why? Because I'm just so excited about this. When Holy Spirit says, hey, I need you to prepare the people. My job as a pastor is to prepare the people. You know, pastors, pastors take care of people. Prophets speak to people for their moments. This is your moment. I'm speaking to you prophetically this morning. I am telling you that now is the time, more so than ever, in 2021, that you grab hold to what this means for your life, because there are some things coming in 2021, and for some of you, it's going to shake you. For some of you, it's going to shake you, but you don't have to be shaken off the foundation if you prepare right now. Listen, for some of you, there are going to be job loss. For some of you, there's going to be death you're going to experience in family members. There are going to be some things that's going to shake you. Why? Because when the Lord says, tell them, be prepared, I know he's not just saying it as a scare tactic. He's telling us that to keep us safe. So I don't know what everybody's going to go through. I don't know what I'm going to go through. What I do know is this. I prosper and I excel in every season. And as a result, I'm going to stay connected to God. I'm going to stay connected to his word. I'm going to begin to understand more and more about what his covenant says about me. And I'm going to live in his covenant. I can't drag you along. 
All I can do is teach you what the word says, but you can choose to come along and we can get to the end of 2021 and we can say, man, do you remember that first Sunday in, in June that God reminded us what he said in November, November 15th of 2020? You remember that and how God, how God preserved us? I can't wait to see what he's going to do in 2022 because he always has a word to preserve us. But we have to be connected to the covenant. Amen. All right. God bless you. Listen, let's go through the announcements real quick. Let's do those real, real quick. And then I have one quick announcement I'll make at the end. But let's do that. Listen, here we are on Monday. Tomorrow, Strategies for Success, 12 noon. Pastor Sean does that from our personal and professional page. If you want to grab hold of some of those nuggets, you ought to join. Tuesday night. 8 p.m. It's prayer time. Something supernatural always happens when we pray. And listen, I'm just going to tell you, all we get a lot of people on Friday morning who jump on there for Champion Circle. We need just as many on Tuesday night. Don't let Friday substitute your Tuesday. Come on and join us on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Jump on prayer. Let's get 100 people on prayer on Tuesday night like we do on Friday mornings. Amen. Wednesday, we have a fresh Bible study. Pastor Raph is going to come, going to continue his teaching about understanding the love of God. If you understand God loves for you, God's love for you, you will understand why he created the covenant. He created the covenant so that nobody could get what belongs to you. Not even you. You can't get what belongs to you if you don't connect with the covenant. Connecting to the covenant begins with you understanding God's love for you. On Thursday nights, we have Ignite at 7 p.m. We also have Victory Zone all the time on demand. So visit www.focchurch.com for more information. Get your team plugged in. Let your babies watch the on demand. Right now, they're going through this series uh, called Bible Trivia. It's great fun. But most importantly, they don't just learn what's in the Bible. They are learning how to live out the Bible. And that's what most of us need in our life. Then on Friday morning, 6.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, join us for Champion Circle. Listen, I think there was 92 of us on there on all the various pl platforms on Friday morning. Listen, I know y'all up at 6.30 on Friday because y'all can join us. So I know you up at 8 o'clock on Tuesday so you can join us there. Make sure you're doing it. On Saturday, we ask you to take a break. Enjoy your family. Get rejuvenated. Don't be doing nothing you wouldn't normally do that ain't pleasing to the Lord on Saturdays. And then on Sunday morning, come back and join us for Christian Valley Worships on Sunday morning at 930 a.m. with Christian Valley, Pastor Chris and her husband, Elder Nigel Valley on the keys. Amen. Listen, and then I'll be back here on next Sunday, hopefully with Pastor Sean. And we'll be talking to you about understanding kingdom prosperity through the eyes of the covenant. Were you blessed today? Did you get anything out of this? Did it help you? If so, give us some hearts. Listen, if you weren't here earlier, give us some shares. We're trying to get a hundred shares. Each one of you can give us, each one of you can give us three shares. You can share at least two shares. You can put it on your page. You can put it on your story. And if you belong to a group where they'll let you uh, share it, you can share it there. Listen, it's about 85 of y'all. If everybody just did that, we'd be at a hundred before the broadcast was over. Amen. All right. Listen, last announcement. Next Sunday, next Sunday, uh, I believe next Sunday is June the 13th. Is that right? Somebody, I'm looking in my broadcast studio. Somebody tell me before I get the wrong day. All right. Next Sunday is June the 13th. On June the 13th, we will have a link that will go live after service. As soon as service is over, the link will go live so that you can register for in-person service 
the first Sunday in July, which is July 4th. Did I get that right this time? July 4th, Sunday, July 4th. Why do you have to register? Because we're only going to have a limited number of people, a limited number of people in person. Also, I need you to know there'll be other announcements that will come out. We will get all this information to you. If you halfway pay attention, you won't miss this. It's going to be on multiple platforms so you don't have to be confused. When we go back to in-person service, service will start at 11 a.m. Pastor, we start at 10. No, we used to start at 10. Service will start at 11 a.m. Doors will open at 10. One of the things that we're going to do, and you'll see this as, as we produce this to next week, while you are in service, at least through the month of July, we are asking those who want to come to in-person service to wear a mask, whether you are vaccinated or not. When you enter the building, you will also have the opportunity to put on a green, a yellow, or red wristband. What is that for? The green wristband will indicate to everybody who sees it that you are fully vaccinated and that you are okay with hugs, handshakes, and all of those kind of things. The yellow band will indicate to people that you are either fully vaccinated or you're not fully vaccinated, but you still don't want hugs, that you're okay with a fist bump or you're okay with an elbow bump. The red band will simply mean, I don't care what I am. I just want you to wave at me. I want you to practice social distancing, stay six feet away from me, except for my family group. We are asking everybody to respect that. And you don't have to go around asking people or pulling your mask down to ask. You can use the band to see. There'll be a green band, a yellow band, or a red band. Someone says, well, that's a whole lot to come to church. If you think so, just join us online at 10 a.m. because we're still going to be teaching the word. You don't have to be upset. You don't have to disagree. You don't have to think that's over the top. You can just stay home and still catch the word. But for those of you who say, I've been waiting for in-person service, this is the way to participate. You'll come. You're going to register. After you register, you're going to come. We're going to check your temperature before you come in. Our ushers and greeters will be helping me with that. Speaking of which, I've got one volunteer, one volunteer who's already volunteered. I need two more people to volunteer who are greeters to help me with that. We're going to give you your wristband. You're going to wear it. You're going to wear your mask. You're going to have a great time. You're going to see everybody, and it's going to be perfect. And for those who want hugs with your green band, you're going to be hugging on everybody. For those of you with the yellow, you can be fist bumping everybody. And for those of you with the red band, you can wave at all of us when search is over and just say, see y'all later. We're going to love on everybody just the same. Amen? So if that's too much, again, make plans to join us at 10 a.m. for uh, like we always have done or be here at 11 o'clock for worship. Also, just a reminder, if you sign up, don't just be excited and sign up, okay? Sign up and actually come. Otherwise, you're taking a spot from someone else who wants to come. Because once we reach the max number of tickets for that week, we cannot have anybody else in the building, okay? So make sure. You say, well, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't get all that. Stay tuned. We will be putting all of that information out. And if you barely pay attention, I promise you, you'll have all the information that you need. Amen. All right. I think that's all. I don't think there are any other uh, questions. 
Pastor Raph or somebody to put that up on June 13th. A live link will be posted for registration for in-person service that will start on July 4th. New service time, 11 a.m. Mask will be required. Amen. Amen. And amen. All right. Listen, I love you guys. Have a great day. I don't know if it's raining where you are. I don't know if it's sunshining where you are. Wherever it is, spend time with the Lord. Let him speak to you about what you heard today. Let him challenge you to grow in that area. I believe kingdom wealth and kingdom prosperity is the inheritance of everyone who believes. I, my shirt this morning says kingdom giver. It says I sow and I reap Luke chapter 6 verse 38. Amen. Listen, you have multiple ways to give. I know some people left the broadcast already and that's okay, but you have multiple ways to give. You can give through Givelify. You can give through PushPay. You can give through Tithely. You can give through Text to Give by simply texting the number 833-969-0897, or you can give via PayPal at focchurchnwa at gmail.com. Listen, you want to be a giver. You want to be a sower. We're going to talk about how part of the covenant is based on sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. And so if you understand that, then you want to make sure that you are sowing on today because God loves a quick, prompt to do giver whose heart is in his giving. God bless you all. Love you. See you this week on the various broadcasts. Stay connected. Join us for prayer on Tuesday and Friday night. Come to Wednesday night Bible study. Make sure your kids are connected with, with Ignite and Victory Zone. Join Pastor Sean tomorrow for Strategies for Success and then join Pastor Chris next Sunday. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.